Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program, and we would like you to stay with us for this hour as we are going to look into a wonderful uh, Bible study today, the power of the exalted Jesus. I think this is very important to learn more about our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to say hello to our uh, friends listening, and um, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us even some of your uh, questions. I will just uh, mention maybe a couple of names uh, today, if I can, and um, it's good to have uh, with us, hopefully today, Tina, again. Thank you for your uh, question. I'd like to say hello to Nicholas, if you listen to us today, Andrew, Crystal, Pamela, Alan, Margie, and all of others who I may not mention your names if I don't know you. But if you send us a text message letting us know where you are listening from, we'll be very happy to give a shout out to you. I'll give you the number where you can send us a text message anytime during this program. And the number is 0482098383. Please have this number safe because we are going to come to you a little bit later to talk about the offer which we have for today, a free gift from us. The number is 0482098383. You can send a thought, a question, a remark in regard to the program which we are having today. But I would like to bring this question right now to our attention from Tina. Tina is saying here, I've been debating with other Christians who say we don't have to do anything to work for our salvation once saved. And uh, Tina, you you give us this example in uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15, where speaks that if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's a wonderful uh, passage in the Bible. And uh, it's interesting that it says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Doesn't say, keep my commandments. That may prove that you love me. You know, if we love God, keeping the commandments, it's a result. It's not that we keep the commandments to be saved. And when you continue with the question, can we lose salvation when we continue to sin after we give our life to Jesus? Is our salvation 100% guaranteed if we just believe in Jesus? Again, very important uh, question. And uh, what I will say here is that uh, we need to give ourselves to Jesus. Salvation, it's a free gift. By grace, we are saved. But it's interesting in the, in the context of your question that sin is the transgression of law. Then if we sin, we will lose salvation. We have to deal with sin. That's one of the most important uh, aspects of um, this question. I would like to ask our panel to consider this question if uh, if somebody would like to. I would like to just say hello to everyone uh, on the panel today and it's good to have with us Ken. Thank you Nick, it's always a pleasure to be here. Joe, it's good to have you part of this too. Thank you Nick, uh, always great to be here. Will, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for the invitation Nick. Elijah, it's good to have you part of our discussion today. Very pleased. And hi, Len. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Hello, listeners. And 
May God bless you as you endeavor to live for Jesus. Brenton, thank you for uh, your time with us today. And I would like to say uh, thank you for uh, preparing this Bible study. You are going to facilitate our uh, discussion today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I believe that this topic will be of a great deal of benefit, not only to us as um, panel, but also to those who are listening. Well, Brenton, before we are going to our um, discussion today, to the topic, I would like to just yeah, uh, give a minute here to the panel if you like to comment or answer to the question which we we just looked at. Len. Hello, Tina and listeners. You know, the New Testament has more to say about growing in Christ than it does about being saved. Growing in Christ has a fancy name. It's called called salva- uh, sanctification. Accepting Christ is salvation. I want to just give a couple of verses, but there are many. If you read the New Testament, especially the writings of Paul, you'll read about growing in grace or growing in Christ. 1 Corinthians 7.19 says, Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commandments is what counts. That shows that there is a personal responsibility in being a Christian. And then we have 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Again, it speaks about keeping God's commands. If you love God, you will keep his commands. But if you keep your eye open as you read the Bible, you'll read many statements that we have a personal responsibility to secure and keep secure our faith. It's a free gift, but we, when we receive God's grace, we don't just lie back and say, well, that's it, I'm saved now. No, that's not the case. Thank you, Len. Anybody else on the panel? Yes, Ken? It's just... uh... Going a little bit further on what Len has said, I think the Bible makes it quite clear that when we come to Jesus, we begin a walk with Christ, and that walk is to perfect us. And part of that walk is to keep his commandments. Now, unfortunately, many Christians today believe that you don't have to keep the commandments, but throughout the Bible, the New Testament, it specifically tells us that this is not the case And in uh, Revelation, it tells us that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for those that have the faith of Jesus and keep his commandments. And also in Revelation 22, verse 14, it said, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates to the city. Now, it's false doctrine to believe that once you have received Jesus and he's forgiven you your sins, he's talking about past sins. You have to then start and walk in the footsteps of Jesus and try to get rid of all the sins that we commit. Thank you, Ken. Joe? I would say it's pretty simple in the sense that Christians don't keep the commandments. They don't walk with God to be saved. They obey God and they do what's right and they walk with him as evidence that they are saved. Thank you, Joe. Maybe one more. I think, uh, Brenton, if you want to just a short comment, then we'll move on. Tina, can I suggest that um, 
when you maybe are facing these types of situations, and I agree with what everyone has said, but particularly read John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, where we're told to remain or abide in Christ. Jesus 11 times in those verses says to abide in him. The relationship is strong as long as we are abiding in him. Now, the story, surely, Nick, of the um, lost son tells us that God is out there waiting to receive us back if we wander away. So it's, it's not a case of if we have wandered away from the Lord, the Lord is still looking for us. He still wants us back again. And also remember another good one that's a favourite of mine, John 6.37. He or she that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Thank you, everyone, for your comments. And yeah, thank you, Tina, for your questions. I will just say this, that uh, no one will exclude the other. Uh, keeping the commandments of God or saved by grace uh, to love Jesus. We need to have this uh, very well together. We remember about those people who try to keep the commandments of God, like the Pharisees, but they didn't have the love for Jesus. It's a result of our walk with Jesus to keep his commandments. And may God bless uh, all of us to be able to do that. Brenton, I'm coming to you now and uh, sure. I'll ask you kindly if you could take us through, please, to this. Um... Thank you, Nick. Uh, we'll just give a brief introduction. Then I'm going to ask uh, Will if he would pray for us because we really need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our study today, the power of the exalted Jesus. I thought of it from this point of view. People have a fascination with power, whether it be the advertised horsepower of a sports or hypercar, an engine, a train, an aeroplane, a ship, a rocket, or down to a more personal level, power to direct and control your life. And I believe that that's something that everyone wishes to have power for. In the Christian world, power is sought to have a more intimate relationship with God and spread the good news of Jesus' soon return. Some want spiritual power, I believe, to uh, cast out demons, heal the sick and know the future. And the exercise of these powers to them is an evidence of spirituality. Now, we need to be careful on that one, as we know from Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. However, in, notably in Acts 1.8, Jesus, as he virtually as he was about to ascend to heaven, said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world or earth. In our previous um, studies of the epistle to the Ephesians, we learnt of God's eternal grand plan to place the security of not only our world, but the universe under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And there was a great text in Ephesians 1.10 that says, to gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth in him. What a wonderful thought. Today's study will explore the theme, the power of the exalted Jesus. In other words, what power did Christ receive upon his ascension to heaven? And how is it that that power, or how is that power poured out on us today? It's particularly significant because the Ephesians believed before they became Christians, their lives were controlled by the gods. Just as a matter of interest, there were over 50 gods worshipped in Ephesus alone. 
and it was necessary in order to live a good life to know what processes were needed to ingratiate themselves with these gods in order to get them to look favourably upon their lives and make them happy and prosperous. However, Paul states categorically, there is only one true God, and he has shared in Christ with us every blessing for this life and the life to come, all as a result of the ascended and exalted Jesus. Will, would you uh, like to lead us in prayer before we begin? Sure, Richard. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, as we contemplate the exceeding greatness of your power Amen. and the value of the gifts that you offer to your children, all we can say is thank you. Please help us in this study to see just a little of your majesty and glory, perhaps as uh, Moses did when he uh, asked to know you better. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In beginning our study, uh, there are four aspects or four events which really have um, cosmic influence or dimension, um, which is part of this grand plan or actually it constitutes the grand plan that God has for us. The four points of these, the first one is Christ's resurrection and the effects of that. The second point is his exaltation to the throne of God. The third point is that all things, and this is a statement, are now subservient to Christ. And the fourth one, and I believe a very important one for all of us, is Christ has now become the head of the church because on this earth, Christ is no longer visible. However, his body or representative on this earth is the church. Well, in our first question, uh, Paul's very strong on praise in his prayers in Ephesians and elsewhere in his epistles. I wondered if you could share with us Ephesians 1, 15 and 16 and also 3, 14 to 20. Fine, Brenton. Let me start by reading Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 16. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's talking about the Ephesian church. You know, it seems to me that Paul's prayers are soaked in gratitude and praise to God and that his attention is turned from his own personal challenges and and perhaps the thorn in his flesh. Now, just imagining him, imagine him praying for his, uh, his fellow church members and making it such a strong focus in his prayers. He says in verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, here's a thought. Imagine persistent prayer for fellow believers and giving God the praise for their spiritual progress. I would say, just interjecting here, Brenton, uh, too often we seem so focused to their own acceptance or performance. But let me carry on. Reading good, good the thought, text. Will. Yes. The, the yeah. other text that you uh, asked me to read, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 20. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, and that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with a might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend 
with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to exceed, do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us and so on. I, Brent and I confess that I probably like most of us have very little concept of the supreme majesty, power and awesome yes. authority of our exalted Lord. Yeah. He is worthy to be praised. And uh, we do well to humble ourselves before his magnificence and authority as creator, ruler, and sustainer of the universe and all living beings in it. But apart from this, I would suggest that we have not plumbed the depths of the love of God. No. Nor nor really understood the height and depth of the great plan of salvation, all grounded in his love. Mm. For Paul prays that we might comprehend more and more of its enormity, and that God is able to do for us things far beyond our wildest imaginings. My dear friend, today we are looking at a wonderful uh, subject about the power of the exalted Jesus. And as we'll mention about uh, how amazing it is, you know, to learn at the foot of the cross about Jesus. And we have this wonderful offer. We extended this offer because I believe it's a wonderful uh, devotional called God's Amazing Grace. If you like this uh, devotional, please send us a text message to the number which we already mentioned, but I'll announce again. The number is 0482098883. And if you send us a code SABS1, you'll have this uh, book in your hands. Don't hesitate to grab this uh, wonderful offer, a daily devotional, God's Amazing Grace. Thank you, Nick. I wonder, panel, as we're thinking about this, do you think that our prayers should, maybe when we think of our own personal prayers to God, do we always start with praise and thanksgiving? I just wonder whether this is maybe a model or a template that we could use in our prayers to uh, our Heavenly Father and to Jesus. What are your thoughts on that? Anyone got any thoughts on that? Lem? Yes, I'd just like to mention this. I read a statement in a Reader's Digest many years ago. Yeah. It said, some people treat God like a lawyer. (laughs) They only go to him when they're in trouble. And I think God deserves a greater respect than that. After all, he is God, he is our creator, he is our redeemer. So I think it's very appropriate to give God thanks and praise for who he is and what he's done for us. I think that's very appropriate. And this is most often how I begin my prayers. Thank you, Len. Um, Thanks for sharing that with us. Anybody else? I want you to think perhaps of... Your relationship can, yeah. It's just going on from what Len said. I think personally, praise and thanks to God is very important. And for me personally, every morning I wake up, the first thing I do is to thank God for the wonderful day ahead and all the blessings in it, because that's the way I assume it is. 
because I realize that there's many people have not woken up this morning. And I realize, of course, we all have challenges and issues, but we're still alive and we have many, many uh, wonderful benefits in this country. And I constantly think of and praise God very, very regular during the day and at night. Mm. Thank you. Nick, uh, you had a thought to add to what Ken and Len have said. Yeah, I was just uh, simply uh, want to say this, um, Brenton and the panel. Before I uh, committed my life to Jesus, I had many times in my mind in those questions, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? I mm. couldn't see Good much thought. of it, yeah. even uh, though I was... Um, to say so, as a young man, I was uh, enjoying every moment, uh, you know, of uh, my life, my time. But I still have those big questions. What's the purpose of life? Mm-hmm. Now, when uh, Jesus came into my life and I start to understand this, I'm I'm so grateful to uh, to understand because we are here to know what's God's plan for us. We are yes. not here just to live this life and keep going from day to day. We are here to understand God's plan for us. What a wonderful thing, as uh, I think was Will mentioning a bit early. It's, it's yes, really it difficult to comprehend, you know, God and his love yeah. for us. But to know his will for us, that's amazing. Lydia, did you have a thought for us? Yes. With much joy, we have to acknowledge the supremacy of God, the creator, for his love for us, because we are adopted in his kingdom as sons and daughters. Mm, wonderful thought. Anybody else um, on that particular thing? Has has there been, maybe I'm becoming a little personal, but have we? can we think of anything in our own lives, any particular point in our own lives, where because of our growth and our relationship with Christ, we realized that our love for him had actually grown. Uh, Brenton, I was actually born in a family that was very faithful. Yes. Well, didn't always act faithful, but I was brought up with the word of God. And for me, I do not recollect ever struggling with questions like, what is the purpose of life and why yes. are we here? Yes. And so I am fortunate in that respect. Now, growing up in, in a church or a faith can mm. sometimes be a, disad- a disadvantage in some yes, respects. Agreed. But in this yeah. respect, and we can take God for granted, but mm. in this respect, I'm very thankful that I haven't had some of the struggles that a lot of people without any hope struggle with. So I guess that I come from that other perspective um, as opposed to, say, Nick. Yeah, and I'm very thankful for that, very, very thankful yeah. and blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I would say personally, I'm probably in a similar uh, situation to you, Joe, in, in that regard. One thing I would say, um, both to our panel and also to our listeners is this. The more you study the word of God, particularly books like Desire of Ages and uh, particularly the book of John, I find in studying the book of John, the more I study the book of John, I get the impression that John is just about beyond words of thinking about God's love for for the human race and for us. And when you read these things, it can't help but inspire you and actually change you so that you become more like Jesus. And after all, uh, these these studies that we are looking at, these Bible studies, 
are all about um, the power that God has given to Christ by seating him at his right hand. That power is available to us today to change us and make us into new people and new uh, creatures. Len, we're looking at another question. Part of it relates to a text that Will read, which was Ephesians 1.16, but there are a couple of other uh, verses in First Thessalonians 3.10 and 5.19. wondered if you could share those with us and just make a comment on this particular issue of praying without ceasing. Okay, well, in First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, Day and night we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. And then he adds something else. Yes, yep. Then we go to First Thessalonians 5, verses 18 and 19. And it says in 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, or in some versions it says pray without ceasing. Yes. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul writes, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So what we're really discussing here is the phrase, Pray without ceasing. Yes. I remember seeing a YouTube clip one time of somebody who stared at his mobile phone without ceasing. And while walking along, he walked slap-bang into a pole. <laughs> and he quite, he heard it, he hurt himself quite badly. Pray without ceasing doesn't mean we are all the time in prayer. So heavenly-minded, we're of no earthly use. Earthly good. It does not mean that. It means maintaining a relationship with God. You may remember in the apostle, in, in the gospel of Matthew, there are two p- groups of people who come to Jesus and one says, look, Lord, we've done this in your name, that in your name, blah, blah, blah. And he says, away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. I think it's very important that God knows us, that we contact him regularly in prayer. Now, I just have a little different take before I answer the rest of the question. Sure, sure. What would it mean to eat without ceasing? Now, if you just kept on eating, 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 I'm afraid your digestion system and your body is going to (laughs) react in unfavorable ways. No, pray without ceasing means to maintain a relationship a relationship where you talk to God. God has given his word, his letter to us, that we need to talk to God. In a marriage relationship, if you never stop talking to your partner, or your partner might get a little bit upset. On the other hand, if you did stop talking to your partner, your partner would be upset again. No, it means to maintain that relationship. Eat without ceasing means simply don't skip meals. And in our relationship with God, we need to pray regularly and often, seeking guidance and advice from God's word. It means that we move through life with hearts open to the presence and power of God, 
Yes. Seeking cues for thanksgiving to him. Mm. It means a readiness to process the issues of life in the presence of God, to seek divine counsel as we experience the twists and turns that life brings. It means living not in, not in estrangement from God, but engagement with him, ever open to divine leading. There are two words I want to just impress on your minds. Estrangement compared to engagement. Mm-hmm. To pray without ceasing means to engage with God regularly and often. Now, if anybody asks me, how has this affected me personally? I have to say this. If I haven't communicated with God in the morning, I feel as if I've rejected him. I kind of feel lonely in a strange sort of a way, although there may be people around. I like to have God and myself connected. And Mm -hmm. if I I sever the connection, it's my fault. So this pray without ceasing means maintain that relationship with God where we share our thoughts and our requests with him who loves us so very much. That's uh, very well said, Len. I think the um, the last bit that you read just earlier on or commented on earlier on is also important. We need to be ever open to divine leading. Yes. I think that's part of the process. Nick, you had a thought for us on this. Yeah, I was one. just going to to add, I mean, Len was explaining uh, quite a bit on this one. I don't want to take too much time, but I want to say this. Pray without ceasing. Is not only uh, to look at the concept of prayer, that I pray in the morning, I pray at the meals, or I pray in the evening. Or mm-hmm. Prayer means to be connected with God in everything what we do, which means if we are going to do, let's say, to even entertain ourselves with some good things, then we should pray to God. If we are going to do a job, going to work, we should pray to God. We are, Everything what we do in life, we should you don't need to necessarily take time apart like Daniel to take time to go somewhere away. But as you drive, you may go somewhere. In your mind, you pray sure. about this. You are connected with God in everything what you do. Because too often, even we as Christians, we're thinking, okay, now I can do my own things. You know, uh, yes, I've been to church. I pray in this morning. I did this and that. But now I can do something for myself. I believe every single moment. In our life, it should be in the context, if you like, of how God leads us. And that's for me, pray without ceasing. Thank you. Uh, Ken, you've got some thoughts for us as well. Thank you. Uh, well, again, uh, it's funny that uh, Nick should this. just mention that. I'll give you a real good example of this. Uh, the past couple of days, I've been trying to remove a large tree. Yes. I, I cut down um, initially a couple of weeks ago, but... It had this massive stump, and uh, it took two days to get it out. But yesterday I was working in it. I've dug a hole four foot deep around this tree, and I'm cutting off all these massive roots everywhere. That was hard work, and it was exhausting work. And yet I stopped, and I'm thanking God for this opportunity. It was a beautiful day. I'm working I'm working like a man possessed <laughs> to try and get this big tree out. But I was enjoying that. And I was just thanking God that I had this opportunity again to enjoy doing this piece of work and praising him. 
Thank you again for that uh, personal testimony. Anybody else um, on that one? Will, um, just, just a comment uh, perhaps from you. Um, this praying without ceasing, how have you found that in your own prayer life? I know I'm being a little bit personal now, but, but uh, what difference have you felt that it makes in your prayer life by having this? We, we sometimes use the term, don't we? And at, having an attitude of gratitude, but, um, I just wonder if you could uh, share from your perspective a little bit. Thanks. Yes, that's well said, uh, an attitude of gratitude. That's basically what how I would answer it. You know, when I read the words praying without ceasing, I don't see it as a continual thing, praying, mm. praying, 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 praying. I say praying without uh, giving up on prayer. Hey. Yes, good I, yes. And to answer, in a way, to answer the question that was asked by a listener, today we are not on the fence, falling off into sin, and then then we belong to God. Then we're on this side of the fence, that side of the fence. God is fiercely protective over us. Yes. We give our hearts to Him. If we fall off the fence, folks, He's there to put His hand out to uh, to help us, and that's where prayer comes in. I cannot live without prayer. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm not praying every moment of the day, but we have an attitude of prayer and attitude of gratitude, as you said. Mm, thank you. Will, any other thoughts on this one before we move on? I like the analogy of, um, that Len shared with, uh, you know, your partner in life. You don't feel like you need to be talking all the time to one another. And I think prayer without ceasing is a, like, like he said, is a bit like that. Sometimes you can sense God's presence. You may talk to your partner. You may talk to God, but there are times when you are together and that is enough. You, you sense their presence and there are comfort to you. And in God's, in, from God's perspective, they're a guide to you and you know that they're there and they're, um, available. And so yes. I think yes. that that's something very personal, isn't it? About God and the prayer without ceasing. It's, it's that attitude and that uh, confidence that, um, they're available and they're listening and they're there. Now, mm. the times that I have walked away, I have felt really, really off and cold and empty. And, um, yes. it's, a it feeling, it it? it's a dreadful feeling, isn't it? It's a dreadful feeling, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. We need to move on, but just, just a, a quick one on that one. I think the important thing to remember is sometimes you don't feel like praying. I don't know whether anyone's ever had that experience. I've certainly had the experience, and they're the times I most need to pray. And times like that when I don't feel like praying, uh, can I put it this way? I need to remember that my prayers are based on God's promises, not how I feel. Because if I only prayed when I felt like praying, I might only pray 50% of the time or 75% of the time. But we need to appropriate for ourselves God's promises when we pray and say, Lord, I'm not really feeling up to it today. I need to thank you. I know I need to thank you because everything I have have and everything I ever will be, I owe to you. Just give me this attitude of gratitude that I'm lacking at the moment. As you go through the day, you'll find that that does actually help. Moving on to question three, Joe, um, I wonder if you could share Ephesians 1.17 with us. Thanks. 
and uh, comment on a few things on that in regard to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when Christ ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God, that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon this earth. Mm. Well, I'll start by reading verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. In this text, I I see a direct connection between receiving the Holy Spirit and greater spiritual insight or knowledge of God or the things of God. We -hmm. cannot hope to know and understand the things of God without the Spirit. That's just human reasoning. It shows that God is desiring to reveal himself to us, to connect with us, to communicate with us. Um, I refer to verse 9 that we looked at last week. It says, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. It is his will that we would get to know him better. It is interesting also to note the intent of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians here, um, that he didn't intercede for them that, you know, they may, they may be able to see the secret sins in the lives of others. You know, sometimes we think that's the purpose or the yes. ability to predict world events or some other amazing thing. Cause Paul had, did a lot of miraculous things, mm-hmm. but he's not interceding for them to do miracles. He no, didn't he's pray not. that. No, he didn't pray Not that they would become a fabulously wealthy church with real estate all over the world, you know, that as evidence of his blessing. His prayer was for the most valuable thing that they could get from God and that God would bestow upon them. And even us, if we want, you know, if we wanted the spirit of wisdom, if we, if he gave us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would get to know God better. Now, this would be, as Will read in Ephesians 3, and I'll just summarize a little, just a little passage, sure. that his glorious riches, by his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that's where getting to know being. God, this in, is in what he this yes. is what it, this yeah. is what is important. Yeah. This is what he's aiming at. And so this is the invitation to get to know God better. And I might refer to, um, you may recognize this text, that he's like the loving father who's eager to supply all, every need and fill our lives with good gifts in Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead and so forth? And mm. so if you I like that text, evil, Joe. That's one I've yeah. always found interesting. <laughs> if you are evil then and you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he's very willing. He's very willing to give us his spirit. Mm. The question is, do you or I ask for it? Mm, that's something for us to think about. And are we yeah. sincere about it? I believe that Paul's prayer for us today would be the same. If he was praying for whichever church you attend, yes. um, it would be a similar prayer. More so even because we have so many more things around us to distract us with, as we know, flooded, flooded with so much information, constant intrusion into our thoughts. So how much more do we need the Holy Spirit? To yes. give us clarity, clarity, wisdom, and and revelation, mm, so that we you, may Joe. know God better. Yeah. Yes. And um, I was thinking as you were talking about this song that we sometimes sing, "Fill My Cup, Lord." <laughs> it's a, it's rather a, a good song. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. 
the the problem seems to be Joe. Uh, I think you touched on it by re, um, when you were commenting on Luke eleven thirteen that um, if we, being sinners, know how to give good gifts to our children, really we haven't even tapped the resources that God wishes to give us by pouring the Holy Spirit out on us. We just haven't even started to tap it. And he's saying, it's available, guys. It's available. Mm. You need to ask for it. You need to be sincere. You need to ask for the Holy Spirit because I'm maybe, willing to maybe give Maybe we're asking it for the wrong things. Uh, and maybe well, we're James asking... 4 or 3 suggests yeah. that, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on from there. Ken, we're coming to uh, – we're still in Ephesians 1. Um, and I'd like you to read uh, – Ephesians 1 verse 20 and also Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. We've now moved on to another aspect and a vitally important, they're all important, but this is a vitally important aspect of Christ's power is the fact that he rose from the dead, the resurrection power of Christ. I wondered if you could share that with us. And also there's a comment, an interesting comment here that you might like to share with us as well. Thanks. Certainly, Brenton. Ephesians 1 and verse 20, where Paul is talking about Jesus saying, which he, being God, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. What this means is that Christ, because of this mighty power of God in him, is now Lord of all, literally over devils, men, authorities in this world, death, hell, and literally over every power that exists, there is no power that is not subject to him. Now, this is really good news for the followers of Christ, because we read in Hebrews 13, verses 20, 21, Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We learn here that God wants to give us all that we need to go forward and do his work on earth until Jesus returns. Great for us, but not for Satan. John twelve thirty one says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. It is important to note that we are told Satan rules this world, something most people don't know. However, Christ's resurrection destroyed Satan's power and claimed rulership of this world. Compare the prince of this world will be cast out. How should we view Satan and the hosts of evil today in light of this statement of Jesus' resurrection? The message we need to take out of these verses is Satan has been defeated. Yes, Yes. he still rules this world, but cannot overcome followers of Christ. Now, Satan's response to this was, he again counseled with his angels and with bitter hatred against God's government, told them that while he retained his power and authority upon earth, their efforts must be tenfold stronger against the followers of Jesus. They had prevailed nothing against Christ, but must overthrow his followers. He related to his angels that Jesus had given to his disciples power to rebuke them and cast them out and to heal those in whom they should afflict. Then Satan's angels went forth like roaring lions seeking to destroy the followers of Jesus 
as we read in 1 Peter, verse 5 and 8. These words come from the story of redemption, page 240, by a lady called Ellen White. But as we are told, these evil angels are defeated foes. We are strong because of Christ's resurrection and ascension to heaven, along all power, along with all power in heaven and on earth. Is that good news, Ken and panel? It certainly <laughs> is very good news. It's the best of news, isn't it? <laughs> Any other thoughts on that before we move on to our next section? Lynn, you had um, something to share with us. Okay, well, in Ephesians 5.23, yes, Aiden's statement, and this is what it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. You know, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, who don't accept that. What they accept is that the Pope is the head of the church. But the Bible plainly says Christ is the head of the church. We must never forget that. In case our vision is blurred by things that people put up which are unscriptural and... um, so we must always remember Christ is the head of the church. He died in order, died and rose again, that um, people might be saved. Somebody else cannot take his place. He has to be and is the head of the church. Mm, thank you. Will, you had a thought for us. Following on one on what Ken said with regard to Satan being a defeated foe, May I just say that uh, I watched my little grandson's basketball team play, and, you know, they still have no idea how to play. They're just, <laughs> they're just primary school kids. They're yeah, having fun, school. <laughs> Yeah, they're having fun. They've just started to play the sport. And then they put them against uh, a well-trained and experienced team, and I watched them lose 38-0. Oh, and then they put them again, the team again, three <laughs> matches in a series. And they end up not scoring a single basket, what I call basketball smashing. Little wonder you would say at the end of three games, I would like to play on that team. <clears throat> <You know? laughs> I like to remind myself that Satan is now the defeated player and That's that right. Jesus has invited me to be part of his team. He has. Lydia, I wondered if you would share with us from Ephesians one twenty one and Colossians 2.15 a rather interesting comment about uh, what took place when Christ ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God, part of the power that we've been talking about in our study today. Yes, Brenton, as we continue to read on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, which it says, Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And also I would like to add the verse in Colossians chapter... Yeah, Colossians 2.15 is a good one, um, did you? Yeah. Yeah, it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Paul, it's mentioning here the exaltation of Jesus who now sits with the Father on the throne of the universe. 
um, having defeated the position of Christ in a relationship to the Father by seated at his right hand in the heavenly places, Paul turns to the relationship of Jesus to the powers. So Jesus as a co-regent with the Father, he is far above them all. Um, is that is that encouraging, Lydia, do you think? It's very encouraging because we know that when Christ passed the heavenly gates, he was enthroned amidst the adoration of the angels. So as yes. soon as this ceremony was completed, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and Christ was indeed glorified, even with the glory which he had with the Father from all eternity. So the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was heaven's communication with the Redeemer's inauguration. So according to this promise, to his promise, he has sent the Holy Spirit from heaven to his followers as a token he had as priest and king and received all authority in heaven and on earth and was the anointed one over his people. We observe here that by his death on the cross, Jesus triumphed over the forces of evil. And he who subjugated the demonic spirits during his earthly ministry has broken there over the evil forces that still seek the control to control us. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us and empowers us and in this way, we are called to grow in the likeness of, of his character. And we are called also to follow Jesus' example by ministering to the people around us, to the needs of humanity. In Ephesus' time of Paul was a center of the magic arts. Yes. So this interest in naming deities and powers in spells was a feature of religious life in Ephesus at that time. Yes, it was. Yes. And among some even today as we are living. So Paul wishes here to make it clear that the relationship between Christ and the powers that were at that time, that Jesus, the exalted Son of God, is far above all rule and authority and powers and dominion. His rule over all powers applies not only in this age, but also in the one to come mm. in the future. Um, thank you, Lydia. Um, the important thing I think out of all that you've said, or one of the important things, probably not the only one, is that these evil powers that we have talked about briefly in our study today uh, are subject to him. That means that their power is limited. There's only so much that they can do. And I think we need to remember that because um, whenever a person wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, there's always a backlash. There's always uh, the devil is always on their case trying to stop them from following Jesus. But we need to remember that he's a defeated foe. And if they're serious about wanting to follow the Lord, he will give them the power to be able to continue on. We finish our study today, Nick, with... Um, the fourth aspect, Christ has become the head of the church. There are a couple of texts here in Ephesians one twenty three and 5.23. wonder if you can just share those with us, thanks. Sure, uh, uh, Brenton. 
and, and panel. Yes, uh, the time it's uh, against us today and we may not be able to expand too much on this. But what I would like to say in um, Ephesians, in chapter 1, uh, verse 23, I would like to actually even go just uh, one verse um, before. It says here from verse 22, And he put all things under his feet and yes. gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, this is a very important uh, aspect, um, uh, Brenton. It is. Jesus is the, the head of the church. Now, the big question is, what is the church? Because if we look into history, you know, even during the Dark Ages, lots of people were suffering because of trusting in Jesus. The church was ruling, and the church, which called at that time the universal church, was doing things which uh, were not necessarily supported by the Bible. Now, was Jesus the head of the church? You know, Jesus is the head of the true church, if you like to to say. Jesus is the head of those people who follow Jesus, and they are part of of the church, of his flock. It's not uh, how people thinking today that doesn't matter how you call yourself. You, If you believe in Jesus, you are... Uh, a Christian, you are in his church. Actually, was mentioned today that to many, Jesus will say, depart of me. I never knew you. All sure. those of you who work lawlessness. Now, in regard to that, uh, Brenton, if we are uh, going to, con- to continue just um, a little bit further in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 2 and verse 10, it's a very good... Um, aspect on which Jesus is want to attract our attention. Jesus is inviting us to be faithful to him, even if that it's in death, you know? Yes. Because the Bible says that if you want to save your life, you can lose it. Yes. But if you lose it for Jesus, you'll you save it. Save it. Yes. What that means we are not here to just preserve our life. We are here to represent Jesus, to live a fulfilled life. My dear friend listening today, I'd like to share with you today the wonderful gift which we have. It's called God's Amazing Grace. It's a devotional, a daily devotional. And you can learn from this uh, book a bit more about Jesus and his love for us all. It's a wonderful book, Nick. Please send us a text message, my dear friend, to 0482093883. And the code for today, it's SABS1. We'll invite you to request this uh, free offer from us and please enjoy it in um, your daily devotion with God. I've written in my notes here, hallelujah, we serve under the command of an exalted general who anticipates all the enemy's plans and has an answer for every difficulty and trial his church will pass through. Let us always remember, as you said, Nick, his true church will triumph. God's true people are the winners in the end, not Satan. And I think that's something that we can really take from our study today. Ken, I wonder if you would like to close with prayer for us, please. Certainly, Brenton. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for this opportunity today to put this important message across. Lord, we serve an amazing God and we serve an amazing Son, Jesus Christ. We have learned, Heavenly Father, that Jesus is head of everything and is power over everything. Amen. Lord, we understand that in this world, it is not our home. We're just passing through. We understand, Heavenly Father, that Satan is working very, very hard all over the world to destroy Christians and the faith any way we can. We understand, Lord God, that there are going to be casualties and some people will die. However, this is only temporary. As I said, this world is not our home. Our new home is coming shortly when Jesus returns. We have the faith and the understanding to know that in Jesus all things are possible. And we look forward to that coming day when he will return and take all his true followers home. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation today. Indeed, uh, we learn a bit more about the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the exalted Jesus, as our uh, title was. We invite you, my dear friend, to join us again next time when we are going to look at uh, how God uh, rescues us. Until then, I may wish you God's blessings. Don't uh, hesitate. Don't forget that you can be part of this program. You can uh, send us a text message with your questions, a thought, a comment. And please uh, use this number 0482093883. And we'll be very happy to hear from you. And, uh, you know, accordance with the time we have available, we'll uh, try to answer uh, those questions. May God richly bless you and have a wonderful walk in the footsteps of Jesus.